Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I am thrilled you're here today. My guest is the beautiful Sarah Gargano. She's the founder of Sarah Gargano Communications. Sarah has worked for over 20 years in the luxury sector with many of the top European luxury houses, including Lalique, Cartier, De Beers. It goes on and on and on. For each brand, she received firsthand experience and training in the factories and headquarters where she observed the craftsmanship and the know-how of these artisans and these workers that are passed on from generation to generation. And as she went through this, she just developed this unbelievable passion for handcrafted service-oriented luxury brands. And boy, oh boy, does she know luxury brands. Sarah gives us an inside look uh, at what it's like in the luxury industry. She talks about her communications company where they provide a 360 degree approach, including editorial coverage, social media and digital strategy, influencer marketing, events, video, all of that and more. And she talks about collaboration and diversity and inclusion and what it's like to grow up in the luxury industry. Hang tight and I'll be right back with Sarah. All right, I'm back everyone with the beautiful Sarah Gargano. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Carrie. This is so exciting. All right, let's just jump into it because there's so much mystique behind luxury brands. So tell us how you broke into the industry and how you started your PR firm. Well, it was really unintentional. I started my career as a Wall Street trader for eight years. I worked in New York City for Merrill Lynch and Chase and then Kind of one day I just said, I'm done with this. So I quit and I had spent time in Paris um, in college as a model and studying art. So I said, I'm going to do something totally different. And, you know, I was a little bit too old to go back to the modeling world. So I became an actress and I moved to Los Angeles and I'm like, I'm going to make a go of this. And within a year, I'm like, I'm too old for this. This is not right. So I came back to New York. I didn't have a job. I had no clue what I wanted to do. And I met the PR director at Lalique. And she said, oh, you know, I'd love to hire you. You speak French. You know, you've got this great background. So I just needed a job. I'm like, done. Let's go. And then within a month at Lalique, I replaced this woman who hired me, and I really taught myself PR from the ground up, really without anyone kind of helping me. It was an incredible experience. I was in Paris probably every two months, visiting the factory at Malique and also visiting our partner brands in Limoges. We had porcelain brands and Hermès, Puisoca uh, Silver. So really right out of the gate, I was exposed to this incredible generational luxury craftsmanship, and it just blew me away. And I knew immediately that I had found like this perfect storm because it was, you know, very much about business because PR at the end of the day, it's about the bottom line. 
Plus, I could pull on all of my kind of artistic background and really enjoy the artisans and appreciate their work. So it was this perfect storm. I was in-house at Malik for about six years, and that PR director in Paris really trained me well. I also owe a great deal to Kedi Maison Rouge, who, who trained me in the luxury space. She is like the godmother of all luxury. So, you know, being her mentee has meant so much to me. And after Lalique, I was hired by John Hardy and I went to Bali and I trained with him and his wife, Cynthia and Guy, the designer. And I was just, you know, so amazed at this very different kind of luxury going on in Bali with the creation of this jewelry collection. And then my boyfriend at the time proposed. So Francesco and I had to move back to Italy, where he was from. And we lived in Europe for probably the next four years. And in Europe, I worked in Italy and the United Kingdom. I held various positions in luxury. I, I was working with Cartier. I was hired to be the global lead for the De Beers account. I also did some personal press for Daniel Craig and Jude Law and Kate Winslet and um, worked with Jay-Z and the launch of his Armand Brignac champagne. So just an enormous amount was just, it was incredible. Like I couldn't ask for a better training ground. And at the same time, Francesco's family is in the hotel business. So they own hotels and among them a five-star hotel in Amalfi, the Santa Catarina. So through my marriage with Francesco, because we live at the hotel, we were, you know, privy to celebrities and royals and dining them. And just like, again, like all these different layers of luxury coming into play that just fed into my passion. And then Francesco is a plastic surgeon. So he needed to come back to the States because he said, this is the best, you know, medicine is in, the, in America. So when I came back, Lalique heard I was back and said, would you please work for us again? And I said, yes, but I have all this amazing experience and I really want to, to do my own agency. And they said, fabulous. We will support you 100%. And at the time, they were my only client. And then it slowly became word of mouth. And I have, to this day, never marketed my company, which I certainly hope to do in the future. But it has been so rewarding and honoring that, you know, word of mouth, Belmont came next, then the Italian government, and then McLaren, and then OneDrop. And then it just kept going and going and going. So that's how I broke into the luxury business. Oh my gosh, what a story. I mean, I think there are so many people who dream of having a career like that. But I'm sure that the, that there was, you know, ups and downs with it. Like what what was hard about it? What was hard about some of those times? I mean, is the is the pressure uh to perform really high? Like how did you handle all of that? Well, you know, it's funny, Carrie, because I came from Wall Street and probably the most high impact stress environment on the planet Earth. And I was trained 
you know, I, I actually started at age 15. I'm from Chicago working on the floor of the Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade. And I have older brothers. And so like, I am used to a lot of, you know, I guess you should say stress and, you know, do this now. And like, I'm just trained like to do it now. And, and the trades at Merrill, like we never did a trade for under a million dollars. So basically mm -hmm. when you look at, you know, the, the pressure I was under at a very young age, and you compare it to luxury, which when I would meet these luxury brand presidents, I'm like, this isn't really a big deal because like, we're not doing $5 million trades and $20 million trades. This is just, we're talking about a beautiful piece of crystal. So I wasn't ever intimidated and I didn't really feel stressed at all. I thought, hey, this is relaxing. Um, but certainly I... I think I'm very smart and I, you know, could take what I learned on Wall Street. And I think what um, what did set me apart in in these clients' eyes was that I did apply that business acumen, which I don't think is natural for most PR executives to have. Yeah. And and I also kind of walked the walk and talked the talk. I had lived in these countries. I'm fluent in Italian and French, and I, you know, live the lifestyle of their clients. So they really can trust that not only do I understand what is going on and what they represent, but I'm a really good communicator because I understand it and because I can also translate, if need be, the differences between Europe, Italian, French, UK, to the American press who may not have ever lived there and, and may not speak the languages. I think that's really powerful insight uh, and great answer, by the way. Thank you. I think that's the most important thing, right? How do we take our past experiences and to build build upon them to be able to create, you know, the next phase in our lives and, you know, to be able to do that in a way that was something that's so in alignment with your passion and also not as stressful was a really powerful move for you. So I can imagine that it was, I don't know, maybe a little liberating would be the right word. <laughs> yeah, it, it was liberating because also through this PR job, I was able to, and currently I am able to, you know, combine again, that business sense with all of my experience in Europe, modeling with fashion designers and studying art in front of the Musée d'Orsay and traveling and speaking the language like all of this goes into communication messaging. And when you understand a client and where they're coming from, it's very easy to explain it to a U.S. person. And it's not just press. It's any brand or partnerships that my clients are coming into contact with. Um, you know, I think I can help provide that education, which is really crucial. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Like I know you have a 360 degree approach to your client's success. So tell us a little bit about that and how you feel it sets you apart from the rest. Yeah. I mean, I think as PR expands its field and evolves to encompass more initiatives kind of under its umbrella, you know, it's so important to really be touching on all these points 
not only do we need to be pitching the press, you know, editorially about our clients, but we have to be now hosting meaningful events, both in person and digitally. We have to have both now. We also have to have strong relationships with influencers and be able to get things for our clients, not only for free, but if there are paid campaigns to be able to reduce those fees and really show our clients, hey, we have such strong relationships that we can get you this. We have to create and execute impactful social media campaigns with diverse influencers. Like right now you can't do anything, you know, that's just blonde haired girls, you know, let's do three different blonde haired girls for a skincare campaign. That would never fly right now. So it's really important to be able to recognize this. Fortunately, all the clients are asking for it too. We also have to cultivate unexpected and, and I would say disruptive partnerships. I think the coolest thing ever is, is when you know, Louis Vuitton partnered with Supreme. I want all of my luxury brands to be partnering with street brands. I think that increases their relevancy tremendously. So I'm constantly, you know, proposing, you know, very on brand, but you have to disrupt this luxury space because it is stagnant and it is timeless but we need our job as PR people of luxury brands to create excitement and relevancy. So we're able to do that through these unexpected partnerships. Also, you know, some clients, the more traditional ones, expect authentic and organic partnerships, like in addition to the disruptive ones. So we have to always be, you know, doing on brand. What I love about our agency's portfolio is that we only work with luxury brands and we do it across all sectors. So for example, McLaren is automotive and, you know, Lalique is interior design and jewelry. And then we have Valmont and the Italian government. We have 55 beauty brands. So all of these clients basically can mix and they love each other and they partner, you know, up on events that we're doing. And a perfect example is One Drop, which is an international water charity founded by Guy Laliberté, who founded Cirque du Soleil. And Guy is hosting a huge wine auction in Paris in two weeks um, with Alain Ducasse. And so my brands, Valmont, are going to be participating in that. Lalique is on the executive board. They're donating a weekend at their chateau. We've got McLaren involved. We've got Hardy Cognac. And like, it's the ultimate compliment to me that I'm able to kind of orchestrate this and put all these amazing brands together, you know, in a charitable way. And they all love each other because they all have the same clients. We as PR people have to be catering to all of these different initiatives in order to attract the maximum amount of attention and buzz on all these different platforms where clients are coming from. So it's, it needs to be a really inclusive strategy. 
I love that. I talk to my team all the time. I mean, I'm in, a, I am a, in probably the least glamorous industry on the planet, <laughs> industrial cleaning. Um, I always thought I'd be doing something much more glamorous than this, uh, but I love it nonetheless. Uh, but I always tell my, my team, like we have to infatuate our customers because that's really what it is. People fall in love, out of love with you all the time and everybody is expecting that next thing, right? So whether it's a, a you know something that's really disruptive or a small tweak or a combination of you know a, part, a partnership, people want to be infatuated. And I think that's really the key is how do you find those constant points of infatuation so that people keep coming back to your brand? And you can do that in so many different ways. And it sounds like that's exactly what your strategy is, is, you know, how, how do we keep that infatuation, not only with our clients, but with their, with their clients, with their customers too. Absolutely, Carrie. Exactly. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the personalized experience, right? I think that's what we all love and crave. Um, I've been really enjoying it, whether it's, you know, my Nordstrom's trunk box that comes to my house or, you know, walking into a store, which is so different than it was two years ago. So how important is creating that highly personalized customer experience? Why does it matter so much? Oh, it matters tremendously because in luxury, if you don't experience something, you're not truly understanding the brand. You can't take a cream that's a thousand dollars and, you know, just put it down and say, oh, here, you need to buy that. What the customer needs to do is experience the signature facial and, and how the cream is used and how it's absorbed and and understand the ingredients and that can only happen when it is highly personalized. I think consumers today want to feel connected to a brand and engage with that brand in new ways. They're not satisfied any longer to just walk into a boutique um, or an event and simply observe the product. They want to be players in the experience. They're also more educated than ever. They've done research online before they even enter the store. And, and most of the time, they know more than the salespeople. Um, so our challenge is to create highly personalized experiences that are rewarding the customers in creative ways and that are also effective in establishing long-term loyalty and creating ambassadors between the customer and the brand and all of this will offer customers a sense of belonging and community. I totally agree with you. So based on all of this, the highly personalized experience, the disrupting the infatuation, what do you think leaders who are not in luxury can do to embrace the PR strategies that you utilize or that luxury brands utilize? Yeah, I think, you know, what luxury brands have in spades these are the true luxury brands, obviously, is that they are who they are. They don't have to pretend. They are true to their own DNA. So authenticity is everything. And I would say to these other brands is don't divert from your message. Um, embrace who you are and what you stand for completely. I recently consulted with a brand who said, you know, they were introducing something new and said, well, 
like this probably isn't enough. So we should just like get a fashion designer or an artist and like they could, you know, create like this distraction that would be buzzworthy. And I said, no, you're, you're totally missing the point. You know, nix all that stuff, focus on the product you have created and let's talk about that product. This is the product we're selling. So let's talk about this product. So I would say they really just need to embrace their DNA and, and never divert from that message. That's great advice. Absolutely great advice. So let's talk a little bit about your beliefs around how diversity fuels sustainability. I know that that's something you believe in strongly. So how have your views on uh, diversity and inclusion in luxury evolved over the years? Yeah. So it is so important for luxury brands to weave inclusivity into their fabric. Um, They've been hiring diversity leadership in an effort to fix a lack of representation across their businesses. Dozens of luxury companies have posted messages of support on social media for Black Lives Matter, yet many of the brands lack diversity in their own ranks, and and therefore they're open to the risk of, of severe reputational damage. So I think the message is that the less diverse businesses are likely to be less innovative, which ultimately drags on the top line. I agree with you. And do you feel, so, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show, but do you feel that change is happening? And, and what about the pace at which it's happening uh, in terms of, of diversity and inclusion in luxury? Yeah. I mean, one thing is important to keep in mind is the luxury industry is always the slowest industry to evolve. So I remember social media and, and even websites, like, you know, I, that's how long I've been doing this. Like Hermes called me in to do, um, kind of like a a study and give them some advice about their website. And they were wondering if they should start to sell things online or not, because a couple other players had said, Oh, I think we're going to start selling online. And, you know, Hermes is the ultimate luxury brand and, and they waited and they waited for years to do that. Um, so I think it's important for everybody to understand that this is, you know, with everything, luxury is going to be one of the last players to kind of come to the table. There has been a lot of criticism on the luxury industry, but it is making progress slowly, but surely. Um, not only are they making progress on racial diversity, but also in greater representation of women. So that's good. I think more strides can be made with disabled people in the median age, but I, I do think that the top kind of spotlights are on diversity and women. The luxury sector still has a long way to go in terms of ethnic diversity, and it it lags behind its counterparts um, in the broader fashion space. Specifically in luxury, there are few racially diverse employees in senior creative roles, as well as senior decision-making roles. Some people are saying that every company should have a chief cultural officer 
to address diversity issues at every level of the organization. I mean, I think that's a great idea. I also think, you know, me being a small business owner, you know, it makes sense for the bigger companies to really be implementing that and, and set that example. And I do think they're on their way. It's hard. No matter what industry you're in, it's hard. I mean, I'm the only female CEO. Maybe there's one other in my industry. Of course, it's not a glamorous industry and it certainly is heavily male dominated. And we're a very progressive company and we're not a diverse company. I mean, we're definitely becoming more diverse uh, and it takes a lot of intention. And, and we ask ourselves that same question, like, how do we do this authentically? Uh, we don't want to try to become something that we're not. And, you know, and we want to make sure that we are representative of our communities and our customers. And, and it's, no matter what, it's always tough because they're tough conversations to have. Right. And, and like for me, I did a whole workshop on, um, on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it was really about storytelling, right? How do we tell, how do we share our experiences so that we understand each other better? And I remember saying like, I am so afraid of saying something wrong and that I'm going to be offensive. Uh, and so it just is easier to not say anything because then I don't take the risk of screwing it up. And the people who were leading the, the workshop said, no, 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 don't do that. Like, it's so much better to try and to say like, hey, I'm not sure how to say this. So teach me, help me understand, wow. but put it out there. So I think yeah. everybody struggles with it. And it's just those experimentation, like just taking a little step and, 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 and making that effort and course correcting when you screw up. But it's not easy for anybody. A hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting. I have two daughters. Their ages are 10 and 12. And they go to an amazing school here in New York City called Fieldston, which is incredibly liberal. And they proactively put these kids in classes with X amount of ethnically diverse as well as income levels. And so I feel like I'm being taught by my children the correct way to speak about people across sexual orientations, gender. I mean, it's crazy that at dinner time, my kids are teaching me like what's happening. So I have so much faith in, you know, the next generations. And I think that the whole ceiling has been blown up for the best reason possible. And now we all know that this previous secret exists and now we need to tackle it as a group. Beautifully said. Very well said. Thank you. All right, let's talk leadership. So, what is your leadership philosophy being, you know, coming from these big brands and now running your own firm? Uh tell us how you show up as a leader. So, for me, my leadership philosophy is all about education. Education to me is the most powerful tool you could ever have. So in addition to teaching what I've learned over decades, I encourage my staff to educate themselves as much as possible on our clients. Um, we do extensive training and I personally train them. I have our clients train them as well. And I have them read as much as humanly possible on the luxury industry, as well as fashion, art, 
anything lifestyle that pertains to our world is really important that we are, you know, on the cusp of that. I'm very strict with my staff, but only because I truly want to teach and impart the wisdom that I've gained. And I know the luxury space is so detail oriented and it's so critical because we are effectively ambassadors and we are representing centuries of this in some cases. So I take that responsibility really uh, seriously. I love mentoring dedicated, passionate people. I give 100% of myself. I am such a passionate person about everything I do. It's exhausting, but it's truly a joy. As I mentioned, I have two, two daughters and I'm constantly trying to help them become amazing global citizens. They speak four languages already. They have, you know, European passports, American passports. It's all about how not only my staff, my daughters, anybody that I work with, how they're going to make my contributions their own. And that's what it's exciting for me. It's not that they're going to like become clones of me. It's that they'll listen to what I've experienced because things are changing. And then they're going to take that information and what their vision is and their experiences. And then it's going to just evolve. And that's really exciting for me. That's what I want to happen. So do either of them have any desire to be in the luxury industry? Well, my eldest daughter, Soleil, is on the board of directors at Sarah Vergado Communications. So she does definitely wants to get into that. She asks questions about what's happening with clients. You know, she really, she loves everything about it. Her father is a surgeon, so she also has interest there. We'll see, but um, it is exciting for them. And I'm really proud to be giving them a great example, you know, of, of a mom that is, is, you know, I'm a single mom and I'm, you know, loving my business and working really hard and, and, you know, being successful. I think that, that that's a great example for them. And I love that she's on the board. I think we need to figure out how to get more youth on boards. I, I just was having a conversation the other day with a good friend of mine. Um, she's very passionate about this and, and just made something happen here locally. And I'm like, that is just genius because we've got to, number one, be teaching and helping educate, but they also have a whole perspective that, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty like hip and modern Gen Xer, uh, but I still sometimes I'm just like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Help me understand. And I think totally. that's really important for companies to stay relevant is to listen to, I think what I think is going to be an incredibly powerful generation is those Gen Zers. Absolutely. And Carrie, that brings me to um, something I want to talk about luxury education foundation. So this is an organization and the members are all presidents of luxury brands in North America. So we've got Bob Chavez at, at Hermès and Chanel and Dior and Givenchy and Lalique. And collectively, these presidents come together to help educate students at Columbia Business School and Parsons School of Design on the properties of true luxury. And I have been representing LEF for 
20 years um, with Kedi Maison Rouge, who is the president, and I mentioned her earlier. But one of my favorite things in the world is when we get to mentor these students and, and kind of the hallmark class of LEF is, is a class whereby we create groups and we pair CBS students with the design students from Parsons and we give them real world problems from luxury brands. So an example is our mess. It's like, how do we make the scarf relevant for the next generation? So that team will spend six months on that question. They will research everything at Hermes. They will have meetings with the executive team and they will come up with a final presentation that has a business plan as well as designs for products. And this is so symbiotic because not only are we teaching the students about true luxury and real world problems, but they serve as an incubator of ideas for these luxury brands because that's it. It's the youth. It's the next generation. And it's been so satisfying over the course of two decades to work with these students and to see the changes. You know, I remember when iPads were first started, they were like, oh, salespeople should carry iPads. And we're like, oh, it's so exciting. Like, you know, obviously that was 15 years ago, but just every year the, the students come up with more stuff and it's, it's so much fun for everyone involved. I think that's brilliant. Uh, and I think a lot of industries can take that model uh, because we do have to be preparing our, um, the youth for, you know, taking the reins, taking the helm of, of these companies and, and design ideas and creativity. And what a better way to give them an experience, especially now where, you know, it's so difficult to get that type of real world experience. Although I don't know, I guess lots of people are hiring high schoolers for any job since there's nobody else to do the work. But, uh, I think that that's really brilliant because you know what, what a great way to, to both learn and, and, and teach, um, from those students. So, so how did you get involved with luxury education foundation? Um, so when I was doing the in-house PR for Lalique, we were part of this group. So that's when I met Ketty and, you know, we just really clicked and I was always volunteering to do things for LEF because it is a, a nonprofit. And, you know, it just became clear that it was such a good fit. So then I started, you know, you know, doing the press and trying to like, you know, for these final presentations is get the press there, get Women's Wear Daily there, the New York Times there so that they could cover these incredible presentations and efforts that were taking place. And then from there, it just evolved that we were doing it together. And have you hired anybody coming out of LEF? Oh, I would love that. And, and that is a huge other benefit I did talk about is that these executives get to have first look on this brand new talent. And they have certainly hired some of the students. My recent example of this was at Fashion Week in September. The fabulous Naeem Khan is one of our clients. And Naeem came to me and said, I want to do 300 people, 
you know, we're going to blast COVID out. You know, of course it'll be safe, but like, I want to come back in a grand way. I haven't given a fashion show for two years. So it was like, oh my God, 300 people. Like I, my staff is not that big. So immediately I thought of students. And so together with Keddy, we attracted 25 students from Columbia Business School and Parsons School of Design, you know, just because they wanted that experience. They want to be at a New York Fashion Week event. So I had individual calls with each one. We had group calls, we had team meetings, and I trained them to help me execute this amazing show. And it was a huge success. And I got tons of emails from the students saying, thank you so much. Like this was a dream come true. And these are like, you know, very big deal students, like Columbia Business School students thanking you for like, you're working for free, but like these are experiences people can't buy. And that's what's exciting with luxury is that it is that access and that exclusivity. That is a great example. Oh my gosh, what an opportunity of a lifetime. How fun. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you see your company evolving as, you know, as luxury evolves and as this next generation um, comes in and starts, you know, making their imprint on what they want to see from these brands? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say the biggest way luxury is evolving is that it must now contain sustainability. I mean, that is just such a big word. And and the luxury brands are trying to figure out how do we become more sustainable yet still luxurious? Packaging is a huge form of this, but products can no longer be considered luxury in the face of a climate crisis on our planet. So it's not like anybody's going to feel good about putting $1,000 cream on their face if it's not going to in some way be giving back or, or be sustainable. So I think brands must be more responsible and ethical and accountable in what they're sourcing, what they're creating, and how they're marketing it. You know, here's also where you could you could put diversity in, in there again. I mean, it's critical to be diverse in your marketing strategies. Automobile brands right now are all pivoting to electric, you know, by 2030. And, and we're all seeing together every day how that new luxury is taking shape. Every industry is experiencing their own sort of renaissance into sustainability and what that's going to look like. And that's going to be the new luxury. So we're kind of all watching that come to fruition as we speak. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a whole different world. 2030. I don't know that people are really ready. I guess, I guess it'll happen gradually, right? Over the next seven or eight years, but I just foresee something that looks entirely different than what it looks like now. Right. And, and I also see the next generation of PR and communications is creating and maintaining a sense of community for brands, yeah, for their clients, their followers, you know, with social media and influencer marketing, generating a huge audience of global consumers for brands. Storytelling has truly become a brand's currency and they can do it on any platform. 
So it's important that luxury and PR leverage this new currency. Consumers really want to connect with brands that reflect their lifestyle and share their values. Yep, absolutely. Spot on. All right. I have a few questions to wrap things up. So first, the name of this uh, podcast is Reflect Forward. What does Reflect Forward mean to you? So Reflect Forward to me means to constantly be open to change in order to evolve and stay relevant to your industry, to the world, to life. Pay attention to the new shifts in behavior, embrace them, and find ways to improve upon them and deliver, always taking into account the precious experience we've all had in our lives and over the years. Young people will always be the future. Every generation is is the future. So we have to be watching them closely listening to them, observing, taking notice, and then using that while we're also incorporating our valuable knowledge to bring about the most success possible. So it's a combination of our past experiences and the next generation's future vision. I love it. Great answer. And finally, if you had one piece of advice for leaders who are looking to become exceptional at what they do, what would that be? Oh, that's easy. Be passionate. You can never be exceptional if you're not passionate. Beautifully. I think that might be my favorite answer. Uh, I love it. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, anything exciting that you've got going on that you want to share with us? Wow. I, I am excited. I just have been asked by an incredible photographer. Her name is Stephanie Frender Stylander who I have represented in the past, to be shot for a photography exhibition that she has coming up. And and it would have been exciting enough to just been asked to be shot by her for anything. I mean, we're talking Kate Moss, Keith Richards, Nicole Kidman. But she has this vision to shoot me wearing a brand new Naeem Khan look, who was a client, and getting out of McLaren supercar, who's a client. And then she said, you know, do you have a hairstylist? And, you know, one of my, my dear friends is Rick Papino, a celebrity hairstylist. So now Rick is involved and everybody is so excited. And I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, this is, this blows me away. And it, in a way, like this one picture that we're going to create is kind of, you know, it's so telling of my entire experience and how far I've come up until now that I am, you know, representing Naeem Khan and McLaren and hanging out with Rick and Stephanie and, and all of this just feels so exciting and I feel so lucky. So, so that's my, my new exciting project coming up. Uh, I cannot wait to see it. You will have to share it with me when it's ready for public consumption. I would love to. Wonderful. All right. So tell us how people can find you. So you can find us at saragargano.com. You can also reach out to me directly at sarah at saragargano.com. 
and we are growing. So if anyone's interested in jobs, as you said, it is so tough to find amazing people. Please reach out and I would love to talk to you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Sarah, this was such a fun interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Carrie. All right. I'm back, everyone. I hope you learned so much from that interview. I had such a good time interviewing her. She is a lovely, lovely person. All right. With that, I will leave you and I hope you have a fantastic day. Take care. And I look forward to hosting you on next week's uh, advice from the CEO on Reflect Forward. Thank you. Thank you.